This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Luca Levitz-Mable. And I'm Yannick Mangan. And what's our topic for this week, Yannick? How the iPhone X changed the Japanese entertainment industry overnight. Oh, wow. Okay, that, that, that's uh, quite the left turn. Uh, sounds interesting. But before we go into that topic, we have some follow-up. And I will start. Um, both of my follow-up is related to follow-up of follow-up of the last episode. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So yeah, so more or less it's topic I brought up in the past two episodes. Uh, first one was literally follow up in the last episode, which is again me talking about car infotainment system. So you recall that at the end of the follow up last time and in the recent episode, that were, not the recent episode, but in the last episodes where I talked about that and a couple of months back, I was mentioning that I wouldn't be surprised that the uh, third party options would slowly but surely transform themselves into okay you have an old car and then like try to make something that looks oem but that still fit the car and that's why last week uh, last episode excuse me i brought up the uh, porsche option and this week while uh, going through twitter a lot of again porsche enthusiasts were freaking out because the company name blanc blanc punk b-l-a-u-p-n-u p-u-n-k T, I'll have a link in the show note, released an updated version of their Bremen SQR46 system, which used to be a, more or less a, cop- a clone copy of a model released by the same company in 90, uh, no, 86, excuse me. And it is more or less the same look, but with modern features like uh, phone connection, Bluetooth, hands free calls. This one has a typical kind of like. Uh, LCD uh, screen with uh, I think the they call it the nine bars or like what you would see as a uh, an alarm clock with the nine red letter. Display. Thank you. The segments that well, not bar but the segments. Yes, uh, that was the, what I was looking for. So yes, it's a nine segment display, of course, with the bright red color, uh, and it looks like literally eighties technology released today. And it's funny because uh, Blunt Punk is a German electronic company uh, and from what I was looking around it seems that they now kind of kind of repurposed or just the brand is kind of bought by somebody because they went into bankruptcy in 2016 so it's still weird that they released new products to this day uh, but it seems that I guess I guess somebody bought their trademark and there are some of their patents and all that fun stuff and are using the infamous brand because I think it's uh, it's close to be a hundred years old at this point maybe like 1985 so they're using that and a lot of car twitter nerds that was following on twitter were freaking out of course uh as you might expect that is not a cheap option i haven't seen uh if you can get it in the us or in canada but one of the link that what uh, one of the places that was linked in this twitter thread was mentioning a, a german website which listed this ed unit at 450 euros so not cheap and I'll put another second link in the show notes, which is another one, not from the same company, but just as kind of a uh, kind of a retro look with modern feature. Uh, and this one was around uh, 170 USD, so it's a bit cheaper. But again, in the same uh, in this uh, same vein, where it's like it looks OEM, but it looks old, but it has a lot of the new tech. So you can plug in your iPhone. Uh, it's it's ends uh, free unit and this one is from video slash continental i guess continental is getting one of those cheap chinese company to do accessories uh for cars where that are not tires like what they usually do uh the other item i have on my list is last week i mentioned that i did get a copy of time hollow and i would like to report that literally an hour ago before starting this recording i did finish the game and i quite enjoy it um, I don't want to go into a big review and again as we discussed in the first episode where we talk about that game uh, when we talk uh, when Yannick recommended me some games uh, we did mention that it was a short game and it is but it is quite nice and in the end I'm quite happy that I did spend the quite heavy price that it, it required me to get it uh, a physical copy and not use emulation because in the end I really really enjoyed this 
eight to ten hour games it took me more or less eight hours but from what you can tell me there people varies from eight to ten so if you can get the copy for cheap uh, on ebay or any other means i would strongly suggest that you do especially if you're like me into this visual novel slash detective adventure games because it is quite great and uh the thrill of the game and the uh, enigma you have to go through part of the story is quite nice so uh, that is it for my follow-up okay i finished disc one of final fantasy 7 which we reviewed um, well we didn't review the whole game we, re- we talked about our feelings about the midgar section of final fantasy 7 uh last summer and uh it took me a while but i finally got through disc one i think the rest of disc one is actually better than the midgar section maybe a controversial experience uh, a controversial take for a bunch of people but um like one of my main complaints about uh the midgar section was that there wasn't enough complexity in the gameplay mechanics and all of that stuff because you were too limited in the materia you could find and everything and i found that the amount of experimentation you could do with the materia system by the end of disc one was approximately the level that i had been hoping for um so it was a lot more interesting from the gameplay point of view um and the story pacing is actually very very good um this is one of the things that like people who do academic studies on jrpgs bring up a lot that the pacing in final fantasy games and especially final fantasy 7 is excellent and uh yeah i think it does a really good job i'm looking forward to playing around some more uh in disc 2 and disc 3 um throughout the year i i it's one ideally one of the games that i would like to beat before the end of the year uh obviously i have too many games to beat them all in a year but i made like a little list of the ones that i wanted to beat and final fantasy 7 is definitely on them so we'll take a look at that Uh, maybe i'll have more to say it's it's hard to say without spoiling anything and i don't really think it's appropriate to do it in follow-up um but yeah final fantasy 7 is better than i thought my opinion has raised uh so Then maybe that will kind of inspire me to pick up my game where I left it off and uh, see if I can maybe catch uh, where your gameplay is or your like uh, your playtime is. But uh, I expect that my next few weeks will be busy with The Last of Us when The Last of Us release. That's true. And dub dub happening right after it. So I, I guess uh, end of June is going to be a busy June for me. Yep. And that's it. Well, actually, no, I just remembered. Uh, Apple Pay Octopus launched this week, finally, after months and months of talking about it. So whoa, it finally whoa. happened. You, you were about to forget about it? You freaked the fuck out in my uh, like in our private convos when that happened. I didn't actually write it down. Oh, okay, okay. There was that, and uh, Apple Pay and the New York subway is pushed back until late 2020. Um, So those are the bits of news regarding mobile payments for the week okay now we can actually get into my topic (laughs) so i was kind of being a little bit clickbaity there uh i said how the iphone 10 changed the japanese entertainment industry overnight and that's technically not false but you might be wondering how it did that and the answer is virtual youtubers uh so i've mentioned virtual youtubers on the show a couple times out of nowhere uh, mostly like last week uh not last week last episode when i mentioned that a virtual youtuber played my game machine learning uh and we didn't really go into what that is and a couple other times i sort of mentioned in passing virtual youtubers and i don't really mention them because i kind of assume people know what they are but people don't really know what they are here in north america so i should probably explain what those are and where they came from and why they're all over the place all of a sudden that is funny because I was listening back to our previous episode uh, in the past few days, and you mentioned V VTuber, VTuber, VTubers, yeah, VTubers, and I was like, "Whoa, we didn't say YouTubers here!" And like when we first recorded, and then after re-listening to the episode, I was like, "Oh, maybe I should have asked what VTubers are." And now you're making a whole episode about it. So that's see, quite it's this nice. entire episode is follow up <laughs> again. <laughs> our favorite type of episode it seems yeah so vtubers are 2d or 3d virtual avatars that are controlled by a voice actor who is using motion capture software in real time to produce either youtube videos or live stream that is pretty much what it is okay that is it for the show for this week <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in everyone <laughs> no <laughs> um but the, the history of vtubers actually goes back quite a while it's been like there have been precursors to vtubers that have been around for almost 10 years now Wow, okay. So we're going to go into like the history and how the software and the hardware has evolved over time. 
it, I guess by now you sort of get the idea of why maybe the iPhone 10 has something to do with it. Uh, but first, I kind of want to go into like what I think are trends that sort of contributed to VTubers becoming a thing. Uh, VTubers to me have always stood out as sort of a mashup of two things uh, that are not directly related. So the first is Vocaloids. Uh, if you don't know what Vocaloids are, Vocaloids are anthropomorphized voice synthesizers by Yamaha that took off around 2007 in Japan. If you've heard of Hatsune Miku, uh, she is the girl with the Bondi blue hair, uh, the twin tails, uh, and sometimes she spins a leak around. Um, that is the most popular Vocaloid. And what's interesting about Vocaloid is because they have these characters associated uh, with the image of the voice and all of that stuff. Uh, Vocaloid music creators don't really view the Vocaloid so much as an instrument or a tool. They view themselves as producers for the pop star that is represented by the character of the voice synthesizer. Uh, so you have like you have certain uh, producers that specialize in making songs for Miku. You have certain producers that specialize in making songs for Ia, which is my personal favorite. Um, and there's a an entire culture around this uh, and part of that culture is software like Miku Miku Dance. Uh, Miku Miku Dance is uh, hobbyist software to effectively take 3D models of these voc Vocaloid characters and choreograph them to your liking to produce music videos uh, and that will become extremely relevant once VTubers become a thing. The other trend that I think really contributed to uh, VTubers being a thing is a bit more vague, uh, I wrote down Yukuri videos, uh, which is a style of video that is common on the Japanese internet, which makes use of text-to-speech for narration and emotional punctuation provided by the use of Yukuri faces from the Toho series. Now, I'll put an article in the show notes so you can go look at these faces because I don't even know how to describe them. They're kind of like... Um, like the meme faces that we've seen like on Reddit or whatever, they're kind of like the Japanese equivalent of those meme faces, except they're obviously much cuter than their, like the rage guy or the <laughs> whatever. Though I love those, especially the rage guy. You you would be surprised how much I use that on our, on our Slack channel. Oh dear. Um, but yeah, so the Yukuri faces have their origin in the Toho series of shoot ups and uh, they've sort of like, become a part of internet culture, kind of like Toho has become a part of Japanese internet culture. Uh, it's just like accepted as almost public domain uh, that these faces are characters that are part of internet culture now. And it Yukuri videos are basically like using those faces as sort of the emoticons to accompany whatever narration you have going on in your text-to-speech. And this is a very common video style for creators that wish to remain anonymous or synonymous without revealing their own voice or appearance in a video. And this is especially used for Let's Play videos uh, that have been seen on Nico Nico Doga or YouTube over the last 15 to, yeah, 15 years. Uh, that's a long time. So the question that comes out of that is, okay, how do you monetize Japan's weird online video space? Uh, well, if you're an in-person YouTuber, that can stay relatively close to what worked in the West, right? You're basically doing the same old influencer stuff that works everywhere else around the world. Like, it's no different just because you're in Japan. People who refuse to show themselves on camera, they have kind of a different issue. And especially if your videos all adhere to a very strong style, like the Yukuri videos, is your videos have no sense of identity. Uh, so much of the outward-facing identity of your videos is shared by thousands of other creators that it just becomes a giant soup of collective creativity, and it's real hard for individual creators to stand out in their audience's mind. And sort of the birth of VTubers comes out of the question, well, what if we use the tools that gave voice synthesizers a distinct character and identity and applied that to pseudonymous YouTubers? And that's kind of where the idea was born. So... This all starts around 2011, uh, so I'm going to go through various eras of VTubers. Uh, the first one is the longest one because, it, honestly, the, it had the least amount of stuff happening throughout it. It just took it took through it took a really long time to happen. Uh, so I call this the proto VTuber era. is from 2011 to 2016, and this is when disparate entities all around the world are kind of playing with the concept of vlogging as a virtual avatar. Uh, and strangely, there are more examples of proto-VTubers outside of Japan than within Japan, where VTubers are a big thing. The first example uh, that really popped out is Ami Yamato. She's a British girl in London uh, 
who vlogs through a virtual avatar that kind of looks like a Disney 3D character of herself. Um, and instead of displaying her character in front of a generic background like many VTubers do, uh, Ami is digitally inserted into real footage of London that honestly looks exactly like the same camera angles you would use if she had been filming herself in the shot, but she films it with nobody there and then inserts it afterwards. It, honestly, like it sounds crazy right now describing it, but if you actually go watch one of her videos, she must look like a crazy person filming this because she's doing all of the shots literally like if she had been filming it with a real actor it would be fine but like she's filming nobody <laughs> these takes it must be so fucking weird just seeing this girl filming in weird angles at nothing huh interesting like it's it's impressive when you see it that like you have to actually have the forethought to think like oh this is how i would film it if a person was actually in the shot but nobody's there and Ami Amato's entire YouTube account is just a genuine vlog by someone who would rather be seen as their avatar than as their real body. That is literally it. I think there are very few allusions to the fact that there is anything special about her videos at all. Everything just happens as if everything is perfectly normal, which is kind of weird. Um, I think her tagline kind of makes a little uh, joke about it. I think it's like videos that confuse people is the, is the tagline of her channel, which is like, yep, if you have no idea what's going on, probably going to confuse you uh but that is like one of the big proto vtubers uh from that era and she started in 2011 so she was really like probably one of the first people who started doing this amazingly the second proto vtuber i have to mention is barbie yes the doll barbie um <laughs> starting in 2015 mattel has been making regular videos of the barbie character vlogging about her life it's kind of iffy because it's arguably a lot closer to the production of a 3D animated television show with the budget of a low budget but still 3D animated television show uh, than to the average VTuber production. Like, obviously, they're using official 3D models and all of that stuff. I think the production budget is significantly higher than most VTuber productions. I'm going to say that. Uh, and it looks like it, it could feasibly be a show that would play like on teletoon or like regular cartoon tv uh channels but it's a vlog with barbie um and what this kind of did is prove that not only will people watch vlogs with virtual avatars like amiyamatos but they'll also watch vlogs for completely fictional characters and that also has a little bit of play in what's going on with modern vtubers as well though not quite as much as you think which I wouldn't be surprised too is uh, a great marketing tool for yeah, Mattel. Definitely. Right. Even if they create a kind of a storyline for Barbie and she has her own life in this virtual reality, it is still like, please buy Barbies, more or less. Yes. And I think it did, I believe it eventually evolved into an actual show uh, for Netflix or something, uh, huh. which is like an actual, like, meet the Barbie family or whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't watch all of her videos, obviously. Um, but I got the strong impression while researching this that it turned into an actual TV show. Uh, and this was kind of like the prototype for that. Um, it's kind of sad that it became just another TV show because I think that direction was more interesting. Um, but now there's plenty of VTubers to make up for that. So who cares? Uh, <laughs> And the last part of YouTuber I want to mention is Weatheroid Type A Irie. So she is a virtual weathercaster for Weather News, which is a Japanese weather information company. Uh, and they also have a 24-hour weather channel live stream, which is what she was made for. Um, it's kind of an open secret that this is a side project for Yamagishi Irie, which is one of the weathercasters at Weather News. She's been there for like, I think, 10 or 12 years. Uh, she's the longest working uh, weathercaster at Weather News, and she's a big nerd. She loves anime. She loves doing all of this stuff. And since she works full time as a weathercaster, she can't really like do any voice acting or stuff like that. So this is kind of like her outlet for that kind of stuff. Uh, and she's been with the company long enough that they were like, sure, you can have this kind of weird side project, I guess. Uh, so Weatheroy Taipei Ayuri was introduced as a sort of mascot character for the late night broadcasts. Uh, on Weather News Live in 2012 because the it's a 24-hour weather channel, but they don't have human hosts all day long. Uh, they have like a... I think it's honestly 
only like three hours of time per day that has no human hosting, which is kind of insane. Um, and she was the mascot character for that block, uh, originally just with illustrations. And then later they introduced the full 3D model using canned animations. And then since 2014, Irie makes an appearance every weeknight in one of two modes, or modes in air quotes because she's an android. Uh, so on Thursdays, she's quote, fully charged. And that means uh, Yamagishi Irie is in the booth. She's doing live voice and live motion tracking for this 3D model. Uh, very similar to what VTubers will do in the future. Uh, for the rest of the week, she's on, quote, battery power, which means she's kind of like a Yukuri video where she's running on text-to-speech and canned animations. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting way to sort of fill your dead hours. I don't think there's that many people watching, like, a weather channel between like 1 and 4 a.m. or something that but like she gained a pretty big cult following uh it sort of lines up well with my personal uh, work schedule so sometimes i do actually tune in to her stream uh, <laughs> while watching the weather for japan as if that matters to me and weather Roy type airy is actually pretty interesting because like sh she's probably the first purely japanese vtuber in reality and but she didn't become a real vtuber by posting to youtube until 2018 uh all of her activity was done entirely on television which is strange as hell but it's the same sort of format that you would see from vtubers later except it's happening on television instead of youtube which is kind of strange okay 2016 virtual youtuber becomes an actual word uh and who invented it kizuna Ai invented it so this is the kizuna Ai era in 2016 Kizuna Ai is the Hatsune Miku of VTubers. She's not the first, but she's the first to put VTubers on the map, and more importantly, the most widely known. She has a very safe slash cute slash inoffensive character design. She has a cheery, lovable personality, and the team behind her has AAA production values. You have to be like a real sad person to hate Kizuna Ai. The worst thing you can really say about her is she's too safe and inoffensive. She's, like, almost boring. Um, but th that kind of works. Uh, what's amazing about Kizunai is she had full-body motion capture with facial expressions and lip sync. And this is in 2016. It was absolutely amazing to see this done this well at the time her channel launched. This was apparently do being done in real time. And you might be saying, like, how? Well... It was done by mashing up a bunch of different stuff. Uh, I mentioned Miku Miku Dance earlier, which was this program that let you take 3D models and choreograph them. Well, what happens if you take MMD and you wire it up to motion capture? And then what happens if you take MMD and motion capture and you wire that to face rig, which is a face-specific motion tracking system that is able to map facial expressions onto 3D models? Well, you get Kiznai. Uh, and they hired experts from the Vocaloid music video and MMD scene onto the production team to ensure that like the best people were working on this that was possible. Early Western coverage of Kiznai's channel launch were very hard to parse. Unlike Amiyamato, which largely tries to avoid addressing the fact that she's a virtual character, uh, Kiznai knows and fully acknowledges that she is virtual. However, in her fictional universe... Kizuna is an artificial intelligence, despite being voiced and acted by humans. And the problem is that early Western reports didn't really get the distinction between what was reality and what was flavor and fictional. So it made it seem like the Japanese had made a much greater achievement in technology than it actually was, and that they had made this crazy artificial intelligence who can make YouTube videos by herself, which is not at all what they ended up making. That was kind of troubling, but... There is an upside to uh, Kiznai being an AI in-universe, and that is that it gives a lot of creative leeway to the production team. A couple times now, she's installed new voice actresses. What does that mean? Well, Kiznai is currently voiced by four different people, depending on what videos you're watching. So on her main channel, she's voiced by uh, Kasuga Nozomi, who is a board member for the co company that manages the Kiznai IP now since April. On the gaming channel, when she's wearing a hashtag hairpin, she's voiced by Love Chan. When she's on the gaming channel and wearing an asterisk hairpin, she's voiced by IP. And when she's on the Chinese channel, she's voiced by Aiga. Now you can kind of see where this is going. Kizna Ai, as a celebrity, can scale much more easily than traditional human idol talent because she's not limited by her own capacity as a human. 
they can bring in as many humans as they want to fill the capacity that they need for this character. And it brings up a lot of questions about like personal brand and identity. Like, what is it you like if you're a Kizuna Ai fan? Are you a fan of the voice actress? Are you a fan of the role that the voice actresses play? Are you a fan of both? Does this kind of arrangement make voice actresses more disposable? Because the only people that the only thing that people really cling on to is the Kizuna Ai brand. That's a lot of questions, and it's questions that currently only apply to Kizuna Ai because she's the only VTuber at the moment that I'm aware is doing this kind of thing. There was some initial drama when they started bringing in the alternate voice actresses uh, because there was worry that this would mean that like easily they could throw out the original voice actress and kick her out and she would be disposable. Um, but that drama has mostly disappeared and now they're doing things more transparently to the point that people sort of know what's going on. But she's the giant, and she's still not been dethroned at the top of the VTuber charts. She has upwards of 2 million subscribers on YouTube right now, uh, and like she has a bunch of channels. So the main channel has over 2 million, but I don't. if you add up her other channels, it may be even more than that. So far, does everything seem more or less reasonable? Yeah, it is. I'm still not sure why people do that, but uh, I'm still following. One thing I forgot to actually mention, which is kind of important, is uh, Kizuna's main channel is very similar to average vlog channels that you'd see in Japan. She talks about phone apps. She talks about current events. She talks about like celebrity shit. Like w whatever the regular real life vloggers are talking about, she's probably talking about it too. Um, and I'm going to mention a lot of like general purpose vlog for the rest of the episode like that's what i mean by general purpose vlog she has the gaming channel where she plays mostly switch games uh although now the main voice actress isn't really playing those games anymore it's the two other uh voice actresses that kind of play those games and specialize in those her tetris 99 videos are great uh and then there's the chinese channel which is completely in chinese and i can't tell you anything about it because i don't speak the language <laughs> that's hard to know about it if you don't speak the language yeah so naturally, once there's one big VTuber, people want more VTubers. And that brings the Big Five era, or 2017. Um, so the Big Five are Kizuna Ai, Shiro, Mirai Akari, Kaguya Luna, and Noja Oji. Becoming a VTuber was still hard in 2017, especially to meet the high expectations that people had from watching Kizuna Ai's videos, which again have a full production team behind them. Um, one of the things people realized fairly quickly is that for channels that mainly revolve around gaming content, uh, visuals from the bust up, uh, similar to like webcam footage of your average Let's Player, is deemed good enough by audiences, and this led to two different approaches to simplify the whole setup. The first thing is Live 2D and Face Rig. Uh, Live 2D is a framework that can be used to make animal animatable 3D skeletons out of a layered 2D image. It's really fucking cool. Uh, it's commonly used in mobile games to make boobs bounce. Uh, that's the part that's less cool. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. That's your example of the tech? Wow. Well, I, I looked at the list of uses and literally like the two uses I found were VTuber faces and boobs bouncing. So wow. I'm sorry. I'm not the one making use of this technology. They are. <laughs> Blame them. But yes, like anytime you see boobs bounce and gotcha games on your phone, it's live 2D. Uh, and then there's 3D models in FaceRig. So same thing, FaceRig can uh, apply manipulations to 3D models. So if you just make an upper body model and you don't worry so much about the bones and the rigging for the rest of the body, uh, you have yourself a virtual Let's Player. Kizuna I launched at the end of 2016, like in October or something. So for much of 2017, there was very little public documentation on how to get all of the software and hardware wired up in a way that you had a working virtual YouTuber. And so only a few people had what it took to launch their careers so quickly after Kiznai rose to fame. Uh, and that brings the big five. Uh, so Kiznai is one of them, so I'm not going to go back into her. Uh, Shiro is... One of the more interesting ones, she's a mainly gaming-focused channel. She is known for her interest in Western-developed PC games. Uh, her PUBG videos were very big for a while. And uh, she makes the sound that a dolphin makes when she laughs, so people love to make fun of that. And there are a lot of dolphin emojis in the comments. Mirai Akari is kind of like 
alternate reality Kiznai. I like to call her like blue Kiznai because Kiznai always wears like wears pink and stuff, and she wears like blue and Bondi, and she she basically looks like if you made a girl out of an iMac, she looks like that, which is good design. Uh, what is that good design for a human? I mean, I think she looks cool. Okay, okay. Honestly, her newer videos are not that interesting. I think like. About 30% of her content is gaming related, which is okay. And then the rest is, again, general purpose vlog stuff that is kind of eh. I, I don't particularly like Japanese vlog format stuff. So it takes a good, strong personality. And Mirai Akari is very bubbly and cute and has more of a personality that it, than uh, Kisunai, but not much more. However, if you want to talk about personality kaguya luna though she's crazy uh she has a very distinct voice it sounds like uh if you know the character hamtaro uh who is this hamster who was in cartoons when we were kids if you take the japanese voice acting for that character and then you choke him that's what she sounds like every time she talks and she also has a general purpose uh vlog channel but it's very chaotic and she sounds like if you took like a girl who gets drunk at an anime convention and gets really annoying when she's drunk. She's like that character, but all the time. <laughs> wow. And some people really love that, and some people really fucking hate that. Uh, so she's very polarizing, but I think polarization is good in VTubers because you want strong personalities to latch onto them, and we'll get back to that a little bit later. Noshaoji is the most interesting of the five to me. Uh, first of all, he retired from VTubing last year. Uh, he's the only one right now who's retired of all of these people. Um, the first half of his career was kind of not sure what he wanted to do, and he sort of oscillated between being a general vlog channel like everybody else and also making super technical videos on how to set up a VTuber setup. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's good. Uh, it turns out that this guy was a middle-aged man who really likes VR, and he wanted to show the world that you too can be a fox-eared little girl if you want to in the virtual world. Uh, so he did that and he made videos on showing you how to do it as well. And he also makes like all of his character models public on his website. You can go download and play around with them. So he's very much like a, a hobbyist who wants to share the joy. Uh, for the second half of his career, he hosted a variety show from within VRChat. I don't know if you've heard of VR, VRChat. It was big on Twitch last year. It's basically like uh well I, I don't know if you were on the internet back then uh there was this old application called the palace where you could log in and it was a visual chat room where you could use like these giant avatars in these giant visual rooms and talk to other people and i was obsessed with it when i was little um it's kind of like that but for people with vr headsets and your avatar is a full 3d model uh so they use that environment to host television shows between VTubers, which was kind of an interesting concept. Uh, but eventually, for other reasons, guests sort of stopped coming to his show, and that kind of ended. And I'll get into that in a bit. The Big Five era is really where talent agencies and streaming video companies in Japan saw the success of Kizuna Ai and these newcomers and said, we want a piece of that pie. Uh, and people started signing on uh, either the few VTubers that kind of popped out or started funding development for their own VTubers internally. So now we get into the current era, which is what I call the supergroup era. Oh, I think I have a better name for it. What is that? The Yannick era, because you've been featured on one of them? Or your game has been featured on one of them? It's, it's true. It could be that, but I don't want to take credit for everyone's success. Fair point, fair point. So the supergroup era is 2018 to current. Uh, this is where companies like Niji Sanji and Hololive take over as the technology becomes ubiquitous. And what causes the technology to become ubiquitous? iPhone 10 shaped, shipped in late 2017 when the big five were at their peak. And there was a curious feature on that phone, and it was called the True Depth Camera. Mm. One thing to remember is that around the time that the iPhone X launched, uh, there were big developments in Snapchat filters and Messenger camera filters, and there are a million and a half Chinese camera filter companies as well uh, that are happening uh, in Asia at the same time. So startups had popped up in Japan to try and take VTubing ma mainstream by making an easy-to-use smartphone app uh, because... 
PC ownership is not actually that high in Japan. Uh, it's a very technologically advanced place, but they are so technologically advanced that they sort of skipped over the whole PC thing and they went straight to smartphones uh, or to smart dumb phones, actually, because they were flip phones for the longest time. Oh, yeah, I remember those. We never got yeah. them here, but they were so weird. Yes. A uh, friend of the show, Richard, had shared so many stories with me of his awesome flip phones back in the day, and it was awesome uh, to sort of live that through him uh, back in those days. Uh, so the existence of the True Depth camera is really the big breakthrough that these startups needed to go anywhere. And these companies sort of went one of two paths. The first one it was avatar monetization. You make a free app that people can download and you have limited costume and customization options. And then if you want to get better clothes, get better face parts, get better body features, you spend real cash and for in-app purchases. This is like pretty much any other video game, right? There are cosmetic options. You can shell out for in-app purchases and you can make your character pretty. Uh, nothing special there. However, if you're talking about making lots of money there is a much much easier way to make a ton of money and that is to run a vtuber talent agency if vtubers are actually the next big thing in entertainment which spoilers they are uh there's a lot more money to be made from taking a cut of everything your fleet of vtubers make than by selling microtransactions to a bunch of dumbasses who are never going to make any money uh <laughs> in all fairness that's how like talent agent works right Yes, just do it, but for 3D, uh, 3D models of girls instead of actual girls. Niji Sanji and Hololive are the two big VTuber talent agencies right now. Uh, they both have their own smartphone apps that run on the iPhone X and later, but they are only available to members of their talent roster. Uh, this is contrary to, uh, there's one called Reality and there's another one. Uh, some of my friends are trying the VTuber thing out, but they are not backed by a big network, so they have to use these kind of crappy apps. Uh, they're not very good, the ones that are uh, avatar monetization to begin with. So it's like you're paying for a crappy avatar. Uh, Niji Sanji and HoloLive's applications are insane. Uh, they have incredibly high quality 3D models, but that's because they're custom made for their people instead of being generic parts that you uh, bolt onto your characters. What's super interesting about the Niji Sanji app is that their changelog is public. You can follow the Twitter account for their app that you cannot install on your phone. And see what new features have been added to their app. And I've, like, they actually posted the other day, oh, yeah, we added a karaoke feature to our app because we signed the licensing deal with this karaoke company. So now you can do karaoke streams if you want on your on your YouTube channel. I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't even know that was legal that you could do karaoke streams on YouTube. But I guess you can if you're Nishi Sanji and you're, like, one of the biggest uh, YouTubing networks in the world. They have these huge apps that have a ton of... Uh, developers working on them day in and day out uh, to add a bunch of features so that a bunch of people can stream through those apps. Occasionally when you watch uh, a stream by a VTuber on either of those networks, you get a peek at how the sausage is made if, if they accidentally screw up, which unfortunately happens more than you'd think. Uh, and more or less the way it works is that the VTuber avatars live on a phone that is mounted in front of their face that phone is airplaying to an application like AirServer on their PC, which they chroma key or green screen onto their background in OBS and then stream out to YouTube or Twitch or whatever. Mostly YouTube for these networks. What a setup. That's interesting. Yeah, occasionally, like, the, the reason I know it's done like this is because occasionally AirServer crashes and you see the AirServer <laughs> logo happen. <laughs> Whoopsie. Instead of the character, which is kind of, okay, sure. Um... But yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, and I'll try to include, there's also a picture of like what the full body suit uh, setup for Kizuna Ai is when she's doing full body motion tracking. It's obviously a lot more complicated than just sitting at a PC with your phone mounted in front of it. But that is much more convenient for most people. Yeah, and I'm sure the, the body suit resembles what you could see during uh, like full body tracking when uh, they record motion for either a movie or even video games. Yeah, it's literally the same... Uh, Motion capture suit. So, wow. yeah, it's like w when she's doing videos, she's doing videos in the studio. And like it, you don't have the flexibility that these Niji Sanji VTubers have where uh, Tsukino Mito made jokes on her first streams where she was streaming on top of a washing machine. Uh, like you can like the Niji okay. Sanji setup is so flexible that you can basically do it from anywhere. Oh, Whereas I see, see. 
Kiznai is basically locked into the studio because her production values are so high that she needs the full body motion to remain consistent with her brand. Earlier, I kind of mentioned that there are like two types of avatars you can have, the 2D one and the 3D one. At first, uh, both these companies had a mix of 2D and 3D characters. Uh, they are realizing that they kind of want the average production level of everyone's streams to go up. So they are transitioning their entire layout to full 3D avatars now. And the way that these VTuber supergroups work are very reminiscent to me of idol supergroups like AKB48. Uh, if you don't know AKB48, uh, it's one of the big pop idol groups from the last decade in Japan, uh, where the entire premise of the group is there are 48 girls in the group split into three groups, Team A, Team K, Team B. Uh, they have this theater in Akihabara where they do... Uh, shows every day and they alternate between team a team k team b uh and the idea is that there are so many girls because there's a girl for everyone uh you're definitely gonna fall in love well not probably not fall in love but at least become a fan of one of them well wait is it why all of those groups are just growing the number of members like throughout the years i, I feel it like like 10 years ago they were like five now they're like 48 yeah it's kind of funny i noticed this earlier it's like like if you look at 90s to early 2000s like the big pop group in japan was morning musume it was 13 girls and i thought that was overwhelming when i first heard of morning musume but then i got used to it and akb48 came around and i was like hmm 48 girls that's a lot then i started watching like this is when i was learning japanese i was watching about half the amount of tv shows they produce uh which means like it was easily close to 12 hours a week of just output of akb48 tv shows that i would watch Whoa. Uh, uh and like i watched it unsubbed because obviously i was trying to learn the language and the thing is like you very quickly get acquainted to who is who because they have such well a lot of them have very strong personalities that make them stand out and then it sort of devolved into insanity and then, like, every city in Japan had to have their own 48 group. And then they were like, every country outside of, uh, in Asia, outside of Japan needs their own 48 group. And now, like, I went to go look at the 48 group page earlier uh, when I was researching for the episode. And I don't even know where half these places are in the world anymore that have 48 groups. Uh, so, like, they've sort of spiraled out of control. And I think there's, like, upwards of, like, a thousand girls in the 48 groups now. Which means that if you're a fan of... 48 groups now you can't know everyone whereas back when i was doing it there were only like 300 girls and it was like okay maybe you can kind of remember all of them uh, 300 is still really yeah, 300 is still big right yeah uh we'll, we'll get to how many members of these vtuber groups there are in a little second um but like that's more or less like the the picture i want to paint for you is that this almost feels like a replacement for that entire system. So hmm. every few months, there are auditions for new VTuber talents at these agencies. And if you're chosen, uh, together you work with uh, their team on finding two things. Uh, what is your niche? Uh, it's kind of like Pornhub. It's like there are so many boring vanilla VTubers on the internet now that you need the hashtags. You need to have like what your particular thing is. And uh, on Pornhub, that's like all, every fetish you can imagine. Uh, like there is a, there's no point in making vanilla porn on the internet anymore because there's so much of it. Like you need to go into specific fetishes. Same thing here. <laughs> oh, wait a second, wait a second. Is your way to describe the niches using Pornhub right now? Did I just hear that correctly? <laughs> I mean, have you been on the internet for the last 10 years? <laughs> yes, but that's... Okay. It just makes I mean, me laugh so much. That's the... I think it's the most colorful way to describe the image you're trying to describe. But I'm not like being, I'm not fucking around right now. Like there's a, <laughs> I know, but that's the, that's why it's funny. <laughs> there's an audible original uh, podcast called the butterfly effect, which looks at the impact of Pornhub on like everything on the world as a whole, uh, which is actually a kind of interesting idea when you think about it. Um, and one of the things that really stood out there is like exactly that. It's like, why do you see so much stepsister porn or whatever on the internet? Well, the reason is it's actually the cheapest fetish to make porn for because you just have to say that someone is your stepsister <laughs> and automatically it's stepsister porn. Whereas like if you say, I like leather, that's going to cost you a lot more. 
and like the, the entire podcast is very, very good. I recommend it if you're interested in like the impact of the internet on various things and anyone in the tech industry should really listen to it. Um, but like, this is also a thing that's happening to every kind of content on the internet. If you have an abundance of samey content, you need to stand out. And idol groups kind of had that going on when they were 48 people per group. Uh, and now VTubers need to do the same thing because there are too many crappy VTubers out there and you need to stand out. So here are four examples of the ones uh, that I've been watching uh, semi-recently. So Tsukinomito that I mentioned earlier, she's on Niji Sanji. She's a high school class president who loves playing low-budget crappy games and she likes like weird movies like The Human Centipede. So she's a she's a weirdo as hell, but she's great. Uh, Inugami Korone, she's a dog girl who loves PS1 and PS2 era retro games. She played Gran Turismo 2 this week, so I love her. She's 10 out of 10. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> the perfect uh, VTuber for Yannick. Yeah, well, especially now that I can't buy games, like I just watch her play games instead. <laughs> uh, Hosho Marine, she's a pirate girl with an eye patch and a rebellious attitude. She's also really good at drawing. She looks like a wolf character, but she's not drawn by wolf. Uh, Usada Pekora is my recent favorite. She's a rabbit girl who loves Dragon Quest games. She's also the embodiment of chaotic evil. She will hyperventilate about basically anything. She will scream wildly like my neighbors fucking hate her. Uh, <laughs> I'll put a hilarious clip of her gambling in the Dragon Quest casino that I've been watching over and over and over again this week in the show notes. That's what you find. You find your niche and your unique character trait and like... Like, especially with Hololive, like, either they're a specific kind of animal or they're, like, cosplaying a certain kind of, like, thing. Like, Hosho Marine is a pirate. They try to have things that really distinguish them both visually and also distinguish their stream contents from each other. New group members are announced in a generation every few months. Uh, there's lost, lots of cross-promotion within the supergroups. Uh, earlier today, uh, Korone was streaming with three other Hololive girls. Uh, unfortunately, what this has done is that cross-agency cross-promotion has gone down significantly. And that's kind of what killed Nojaoji's show on VRChat, is that everyone started being tied to these agencies that did not want to cross-promote with other people outside their agency, and his show died. So that's not great. Uh Niji Sanji has upwards of 100 members right now. Hololive has closer to 50. There is no one in any of these companies that is even close to uh, being at the level of any of the big five in terms of subscriber counts. However, in aggregate, if you actually add up the agency's total number of subscribers, uh, they are a massive influence on all of Japanese YouTube right now. So earlier I said like, changing the Japanese entertainment industry overnight. Like you might think, well, this just sounds like they're impacting the streaming business or like the YouTube scene. They can't really be celebrities everywhere, right? Well, so if you look at the big five, all of the big five, except for Nojaoji, who has clearly retired, have music careers now uh, with sold out VR live shows at big Tokyo venues. So they're doing pretty well in music. Some of them are terrible at music, but they still have huge music careers. Um, there have been numerous anime appearances by all of these characters because since they're basically already anime girls, like they're easy to drop into various places where they look like they'd fit in. There have been TV shows either hosted by or about VTubers. Uh, there was a show called Virtual Sun Looking on Tokyo MX in the winter of 2019 that focused on VTubers and featured over 30 of them. There was a Kizuna Ai TV show uh, for a year on BS Nitele called no Bangumi, uh, where she did a bunch of stuff. Shiro had a show called Saikido, where this sounds awesome, really, but I, I haven't been able to find streams. She would go into the TV Asahi archives and present all TV shows and anime and movies and give her commentary on it, which I think is a real cool idea. Uh, ESPN Classic did something like that uh, many years ago called Cheap Seats that was really funny. And now, of course, they're showing up in games, too. Uh, so not only are they frequently event characters in mobile games, uh, but like there's a new RPG in the Neptunia series called VVV Tune, which is themed entirely around VTubers that like most of the big hollow live girls are going to be in. So they're everywhere. Uh, I think Kizuna, if she's not still the, uh, the ambassador to Japanese tourism, she used to be anyway, like in 2018, 2019, she used to be the, the ambassador for Japanese tourism, which is kind of crazy. Sometimes they get in trouble because 
Kizuna Aiwa was asked to be the representative of Japan at the Nobel Prize a couple years ago to interview people. And that started a whole bunch of drama around, well, what does this say about the position of women in Japan that a virtual girl is being prioritized to an actual woman to go do interviews with Nobel Prize winners? They are stirring shit up in the uh, entertainment industry. And the one point of weakness I see in all of this is YouTube. And it's it's kind of strange because, like, they're called virtual YouTubers, but the second that Niji Sanji becomes big enough, they can just say, well, we don't need YouTube anymore. We can make our own streaming video platform where all of these people will live, and they can probably pull all of those people away. And same goes for Hololive. They are slowly getting enough of a presence that they can do it. There are numerous other streaming sites that have popped up around VTubers, but they have never been supported by the big players. And I think that makes sense. You don't want to throw your big celeb people on tiny platforms unless you know you can pull everyone. And I think that's the thing that's going to probably happen. Uh, there have been a number of cases where uh, VTubers have gotten banned from streaming on YouTube for various reasons or banned from posting videos. She's not, I, I don't remember for what reason, but she had her channel pulled from YouTube for an entire month. Uh, and she had to go post on Nico Nico Doga, their competitor, for a month because YouTube wouldn't let her upload. Uh, I remember it was like some dumb automated algorithm thing. It wasn't even like motivated by humans or anything. Inugami Korone has a name that is too close to Corona which meant that for coronavirus reasons, none of her videos could be monetized for <laughs> for a good three weeks. Uh, so that was less than ideal. And as more and more of these weird issues pop up and people feel frustrated with the opaqueness of YouTube's algorithms, I think there's a heavy chance that these Japanese companies are going to decide to build their own platform, either by banding together and building like their own VTuber YouTube alternative, or literally just saying, nah, we're just going to build our own Niji Sanji streaming site and go watch it there and download our app. And it's all our ecosystem now. And I think that's a big risk for YouTube in Japan, especially since uh, for many, many years, Nico Nico Doga was kind of the big video player in Japan. And then Nico Nico Doga's decisions, technical decisions were not great for the mobile era specifically the iPhone. Uh, they were extremely late to adopting HTML5 for players. They tried locking mobile playback behind a paywall, which kind of sucks if more and more people are using their smartphones to do everything. Uh, having all of your videos requiring you to pay a monthly subscription to watch them on mobile sucks, uh, especially when like the bitrate at which you are streaming things is too high for the connections. So it takes forever to load and it buffers all the time. And it's, you have to pay a subscription for that. Uh, it was kind of a real shitty experience on mobile. And I think a lot of people sort of switched to YouTube because of that. But if VTubers decide to start their own thing, all of that market share in Japan could disappear overnight. And I think it could be a big risk for Google, but I don't think they're paying any attention to that at all, which is kind of strange. I think they, they pay attention to Kizunai because she's one of the top YouTubers, period. And they aren't really paying any attention to the rest of the VTuber craze. And I don't know. It might bite them in the ass. We'll see. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that they don't because it's not big here yet. That's kind of a bias with the, like, I would say the North American and European market and less about the Asian market. I've mentioned for many years that there are people who get away with stuff on the Japanese app store that would never be approved on the North American app store just because the entire app is in Japanese and it goes to a different set of reviewers because there's no English UI. Um, there were a lot of developer-facing tools and scripting tools that I've been using for years uh, before like um, Pythonista and all of those apps had come out because they existed on the Japanese app store and not on the American app store. And the only reason they got through is because I guess people in the app reviewers in Japan didn't read that part about like, not having development environments on the iPhone or whatever. Uh, so I think this is a similar case. I think what's interesting is because of the international expansion, uh, Niji Sanji being in Indonesia, India, and Korea, Azra Cecilia, which is the VTuber who played my game, was from the Indonesian branch of Niji Sanji. And luckily she spoke mostly English for that video, so I could watch it. Uh, 
And Hololive is currently uh, in China and Indonesia and has started English-speaking VTuber auditions uh, in April. So the expansion is coming. Uh, Twitch streamers have started adopting Live2D and other VTuber technology for their own streams because it's kind of cool to have an anime face of yourself uh, just to play around with. I know Woof put a video up this week of him uh, turning his original character Madeline into his Live2D avatar and singing happy birthday to himself, and it was really cool. So yeah, I, I think VTubers are going to push for more international expansion. I think the places that have a lot of Japanophiles and people who pay attention to Japanese pop culture or are influenced by Japanese pop culture will hop onto it very quickly. And I think that's why Indonesia and China in particular and Korea too are like the first markets for that. I think France is potentially another big market because France is big on Japanese pop culture as well. Only time will tell. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, the other point that I wanted to mention, which is, I guess, the reason why you felt that your uh, topic, the, the name of the, the name you chose for your topic was a bit uh, uh, clickbaity. But I think I kind of agree with the, the picture you're, uh, you're drawing here is the proliferation of, of loggers more or less started with ease of use and the miniaturization of more or less cameras and even having cameras on your phone, which made a lot of this tech way easier to have and kind of uh, I would say I don't want to about I don't want to talk too much about quality standards but it it is also quite easy to have kind of like a indie film like kind of standard if I'm trying to draw a picture like maybe not like like Hollywood movies or like big blog big blockbuster movies but it is easy these days to just have great video quality for cheap and now, if we're able to get this tech miniaturized, so you don't have a, a big like, have a room where you have like sensors and everything, or you can just do that with your own phone, but it's not full body tracking, but at least you have a face, and it's quite high level of quality. Then the better, and I would it wouldn't be surprised that it would expand even more. But yeah, with more or less with all of this tech that is being miniaturized, you can be your own producer with a lot of those small devices and literally being from home or a small studio and produce a lot of people with do the same tech being in not front facing but back facing on those devices, which I'm not sure if I would be the target audience for that, but I think the kind of the note I will kind of take on this week's topic is more or less that that there's something coming with those uh vtubers that could be interesting but uh, i guess maybe uh, if some of them that you know already that are maybe more uh, in my niche or i could say cars or some video games but the type of video games i play maybe send them my way and i could maybe watch and report back on what i think about uh the whole thing because you explained it a lot uh this episode but uh, without me watching it i feel that i'm a bit missing something to really put uh my own opinion on it yeah i'm gonna put uh clips of my interesting clips i found of uh some of my favorite vtubers in the show notes what's interesting about vtuber culture compared to a lot of other stuff is like if you look at north american streamers usually the way they'll do it is they'll uh they'll do the full stream on twitch and they'll leave the twitch vod there for like a week or whatever the delay is on twitch and then they'll edit together a highlight reel for your youtube vtubers kind of do the opposite of that where they they do the full stream like uh when I was watching a playthrough of Klonoa earlier this week, and that's a seven hour and a half stream. And that's on their YouTube channel. And if you want to watch the stream, you watch that. Or you can go to uh, other people's channels and they make highlight reels of the mm. thing for them. And that is encouraged, contrary to on Twitch, where people get really mad if people other than the streamer itself actually make the highlight reel. Uh, it's kind of weird to see them like be like open uh welcome clips with open arms and uh subtitles for other countries and all of that stuff like i'm obviously like all of these vtubers i've mentioned speak japanese um so you might be wondering like how do they get fans in north america but like korone who does all the ps1 ps2 games she has a huge following of north american fans and occasionally it actually devolves into like teaching her words uh teaching her english words which sometimes is dangerous um, 
this week she she learned what yeet means and she learned uh lmao uh and a bunch of other stuff so yeah it, it's kind of interesting for that other thing i kind of want to bring up is all the big japanese tech companies are investing in vtubing in some way there was an interesting comment that i heard from i think someone from gree which is i guess a mobile games company technically they they worked with nintendo on some stuff and uh what gree what this person from gree said was it's very similar to cosplay this is like the virtual version of cosplay where we want people to be able to make their own avatars and feel good in their virtual avatars and express themselves and what's also interesting is there's a lot of gender exploration that also happens on uh, VTuber platforms because your avatar doesn't have to match your physical appearance. So that's an interesting avenue for those kinds of explorations as well. But yeah, like I found the cosplay comparison to be interesting because they want VTubing to become mainstream, but at the same time, it's like cosplay isn't mainstream either. It's something cool, but it's not mainstream. Like, I don't know. It was a weird comparison, but I kind of get it. I get what he's trying to get at. It's just no, yeah, yeah. I get the, the I get the picture here. It's not gonna get the market share he expects if he's gonna go for that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much everything I had to say about VTubers. Uh, yeah, I'll put a bunch of clips in the in the show notes and go watch some VTubers. There's some good content, and it's great for quarantine. Good again, like Enik just mentioned. If you want to experience VTubers yourself, you can find all of those clips in our show notes, and those show notes can be found at limitlesspossibility.net.net. Excuse me, slash a hundred and thirty-seven, so one three seven. If you want to find our back catalog of episodes, you can find it at limitlesspossibility.net. You can follow the show on twitter to get its latest news at limipo underscore podcast that's l-i-m-i-p-o underscore podcast you can find myself on twitter at lucanush that's l-u-c-c-o-n-o-u-c-h-e and you can find yannick at sakurina that's s-a-k-u-r-i-n-a and we'll see you in two weeks see you in two weeks